Welcome to the Franchise Hounds Podcast. I'm Greg Macchia, a certified franchise consultant. Thanks for joining me as I interview franchise industry pros to dissect, explore, and discover franchise ownership. Joining me today is John Smotrisky. John is the co-founder of Wicked Lick Ice Cream. Wicked Lick was started as a dream of the founders in 2018 to slow down and enjoy life more while also remaining an active part of their community. With rapid success over the last three years, the brand launched their franchising opportunity with the unique experience of liquid nitrogen ice cream, enticing all the senses. You know what they say, if you don't lick it, someone else will. I hope you enjoyed today's discussion with John Smotrisky from Wicked Lick. John, welcome to Franchise Sounds. Thanks for joining us. Oh, thanks for having me. So Wicked Lick, what a, what a great name for an ice cream shop. I, I love it. Uh, how did you come up with the name and is there a story behind it? I'm not that creative, but I, I think I can make things better. I've always kind of done that. Um, it, the name was pre- presented to me online, one of those online naming business contests. Uh, and the closest thing that came to was Lick Wicked. And I thought, well, Wicked Lick sounds better. So I awarded the guy the couple hundred bucks to for the naming. You know, it's kind of a boring way to find a name, but it's uh, it, it's done really well. I uh, love the name. Everybody loves the name. And the slogan, uh, there was a restaurant in South Miami called George's. And inside they have in neon lights. If you don't take your lady to George's, someone else will. And it just popped into my head whenever I, when as soon as I came up with Wicked Lick, it, uh, it just kind of came together and immediately secured uh, the website and, you know, looked up, you know, re- did my research to see if anybody else was using it and they weren't. So uh, just kind of got, got lucky. Yeah, that's cool. And, and for those that don't know, what is, what is the slogan? If you don't lick it, someone else will. <laughs> nice. Yeah. That's cool. To, that's cool to hear that, that, uh, you know, I've seen some of those, uh, those naming, uh, you know, kind of mm-hmm. contests or, uh, you know, before that's, that's neat that it, that it worked out for you. Um, that is really cool. Probably a hundred, 150 different names. And, you know, you put in your, your requirements and, you know, some, and, and, and then they just start coming in. So it was, it was interesting. Yeah. That's really neat. So liquid nitrogen crafted ice cream, uh, Gosh, tell me, tell me more about it. And how did you get introduced to this concept of, of using liquid nitrogen? Well, uh, you know, we wanted to start a business here in Key West and uh, there was an ice cream store for sale, but they wanted too much money. And we just happened upon a, a location that had been a soft serve ice cream store for 16 years and the place was vacant and it still had equipment in it. So we said, OK, let's let's start around. Um, my son had been working at a liquid nitrogen ice cream store in Miami. And he said, Dad, why don't, you, why don't you look at this different process? And nobody in Key West was doing it. So did some research and found a distributor for it and the liquid nitrogen. And off we were to the liquid nitrogen ice cream service. That's really cool. What What is the, like, can you explain the the science behind it and how it works and how it makes ice cream taste differently? Yeah, the, the liquid nitrogen is 321 degrees below zero. So we introduce the liquid into a mixing bowl with the cream that we make in-house. And it, as it turns around, the liquid is dispensed in there and it, it begins to freeze the cream into the ice cream. Well, wh- while whipping it and f- freezing it so quickly, 
it eliminates the, the, the ice crystals that typically form that you taste in ice cream that's been frozen for days or months. Um, and there isn't in there. It, it isn't in there. And the nitrogen molecules are so much smaller than the oxygen molecule, molecules that it you, you just it's just you're left with this really super smooth and creamy consistency. Uh, it's really it's it's really unlike any ice cream. Even when you taste soft serve ice cream, you don't have that the the, the texture that you do with with our ice cream when you make it with liquid nitrogen. Um, and it's not all made the same either. You really you have to. You have to mix it really thoroughly with the blender as it's being frozen. And that's the proper way to, to make ice cream. You've probably made it yourself with the little ice cream maker and you crank that handle for an hour. Well, so you have to continually turn and churn the cream as it's being frozen to really get the best uh, uh, texture and consistency in the ice cream. That's really neat. Maybe maybe I should have paid more attention in in chemistry and physics, and I and I would have known <laughs> that. I'm curious are there are there any challenges to you know buying liquid nitrogen or storing it or using it? Anything like that? Yes, yes, yes. There is, um, uh, but it's it's all been worth it. You know, we we get our uh, liquid nitrogen from Miami, and it's a two and a half hour trip down from Miami for them to deliver it. So uh, we overcame that. Uh, obstacle by buying a large 900 gallon liquid nitrogen tank um it's a little bit larger than you would need if you were closer to the uh, supplier um but with the distance that they have to come down here it's it's beneficial for them to have such a large amount they consider it a micro bulk tank and they come down with a thousand gallons and they sell it all to us at one lump drive so that's one way that we overcame the cost of it because locally here it was Gosh, the the local air gas supplier wanted like seven dollars a liter because that's all the, the only thing they sold was medical grade. Well, medical grade is the same exact grade as as food grade, um, but that's just you know the where they were as a as a corporation. That's what they they did. So that kind of freaked me out when I first heard seven dollars a liter. That's 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 going to bust the business plan. So we did find some suppliers in Miami that were willing to bring it down. Um, and it does, uh, with the, with the large tank, it will keep it, uh, fresh and keep the liquid, uh, contained. It's got a, a vacuum insulated tank that, uh, uh, really holds it well, uh, stores it well, that transfers into our smaller tanks that we use up front, uh, with relative ease. Um, there's about a 2% loss a day, which really isn't significant for us because we use so much of it. The method that we use it in these small tanks when we transfer it from one tank to the other is a lot more efficient than some of the liquid nitrogen stores where they have a pipe that goes directly from the storage tank to the valves. Um, and then that liquid sits in the hoses and the lines and there is somewhat of a loss uh, with liquid nitrogen. The other thing that we did and as a result of COVID is we started making our ice cream in small batches instead of serving it to order. Most of the liquid nitrogen stores, they customer comes in, they order a small ice cream, a medium ice cream, and they uh, dispense the liquid and they make that serving for them. Uh, we used to do that when we first opened up because that's what everybody did. Uh, and we decided to eliminate all of the equipment and all of the obstacles between making the cream in the back to serving the customer. And so we decided to make 
the ice cream in like half gallon batches at a time. And that's how we make it now. And it uses uh, almost half of the liquid nitrogen that we were using before. It also uh, takes less staff to operate the store um, because we can serve customers faster. Um, And it just has really improved the, our business a lot. We used, we probably saved an hour and a half of prep time in the morning and an hour and a half of closing because there's equipment that we used to use. We no longer have to break down and clean. Um, I developed the the buckets and the spouts uh, that we dispense the cream that we make in the back. Um, nothing was on the market, so I had to come up with stuff to uh, be able to dispense it quickly from the two-gallon bucket. And uh, so, yeah, uh, COVID, you know, it, it hurt the business while it was happening, but we uh, we did some pivoting, as they say. And we, you know, we came up some some really good functional and efficient ideas. Uh, and that's when we decided to franchise this. And we thought this was different. This is, uh, nobody else has this. You know, we're, we're the first that I know of, a hybrid liquid nitrogen ice cream shop. And if you've seen our website, you, you'll see where we serve the ice cream out of the bowls that we make it in. You know, uh, we bought that dipper freezer uh, that housed supposed to have housed uh 12 you know three gallon buckets of ice cream well that it just so happens the bowls that we make the ice cream in those six quart bowls fit perfectly in the bins that came with the freezer and it was just a natural fit it was like wow this is this is great this is really works out well we make half a gallon of ice cream we store it in the the freezer just like others do and uh but when we that when you serve it it's it's just a you get that still that smooth and creamy texture that uh, really is you don't get anywhere else. Yeah, I wanted to ask about that because the the process of you making these small batches like throughout the day and almost in front of customers it kind of lends to the whole experience of visiting a Wicked Lick, right? Because it produces, uh, you know, I don't know if it's clouds of liquid nitrogen or whatever, but it appears, you know, the ice cream is smoking and that sort of thing. So I imagine that you're you know, I have young kids, they would probably, you know, love to come in and see that. So I imagine that's kind of part of the experience of, of visiting uh, your shop. Yes, it is. Billowing vapor of the liquid uh, evaporating uh, attracts a lot of attention. Um, we're right on Duval Street. So we do get, you know, people stop and go, hey, what's going on there? Um, and uh, it is, it's a cool experience. And, uh, and coming to the store, you know, that's the kind of environment that we want to create and have created is a really a, a cool place to come hang out you know it's a where people gather you know in the community and uh you know we have uh, the decorations that we have in the shop um all the memes and ice cream memes on the walls and uh, concert posters and events posters and you know it's play music a little bit louder than most places and you just got a really cool vibe and you know i think we hit all of the senses you know when you come to wicked lick the sights the sound the smell the taste it's uh you just feel it feels great coming there and then people want that experience you know when they come on vacation yeah almost like i, I was going to say a tourist attraction yeah so you you referenced that you were far from miami so for for listeners who don't know you you're based down in, in key west so you know what what is the the history of wicked lick you know what what's your background and how did you get involved in starting an ice cream shop I, I wanted to get a, the corporate thing. You know, I was working for a, a very large uh, commercial real estate company. I was their, their director of project management. Um, I oversaw a dozen uh, project managers and, and projects uh, from Palm Beach to, to Miami. 
um, and large projects, you know, hotels and condominium restorations and office buildings and that such. But it was just very corporate. And it's, you know, I've, I've worked as a GC myself and as uh, project management and construction. And I don't know, it just, it just wasn't in the direction that I, that I wanted to go in. And I just thought I got to find, let's find a business in some tropical island someplace. You know, it's something that everybody thinks of doing. Uh, and we found uh, this business that uh, we wanted to buy here in Key West and came down and didn't didn't happen. So we looked at some other businesses and that's when we started uh, Wicked Lick. You know, we found a space, came up with a name and never being in ice cream before. It was it was a lot of fun coming up with the recipes. And I think it's uh, our recipes are a testament to us not really knowing much about the ice cream business because we didn't know about stabilizers. We didn't know about preservatives. We didn't know about all the things that you add to the ice cream to make it smooth and creamy or, or last longer. Um, we just say, okay, it's heavy cream and half and half and sugar and it's uh, whatever flavors that you want to make. And um, we didn't want to be a, a, a shop that had a base cream and then you pumped artificial flavors into it and to make it, we wanted to make it uh, all natural. And so we wanted to make a pistachio ice cream. So we took pistachios and we pureed them into the cream and so it was really smooth and fine. And we added some sugar and, and wow, it was like the best pistachio ice cream that I've ever had. And we get that from a lot of people, our coffee ice cream, you know, we wanted to, how do you make, you know, we started hot brewing and it's like, well, I need it more concentrated. And I, we went through a couple different steps and I learned about cold brewing. Um, so and that's how we make it. So we, we steep uh, a coarse ground uh, Cuban coffee in the cooler for about 48 hours. And it becomes this really concentrated uh, coffee that's less acidic when you cold brew it. And we added that to some cream and sugar and froze it. Best coffee ice cream I've ever had. People come all over, from all over and they, they come to our shop and they go, this is the best coffee ice cream I've ever had. You know, the dairy free. Yeah, there's a lot of ice cream stores, they don't really have a good dairy-free, you know, these almond milk or oat milk or some use the coconut cream. Um, and, you know, we decided to use uh, this, this coconut cream and we sweeten it with agave and it adds to the kind of the smooth consistency of it. And people come in and say, this is the best dairy-free ice cream that, are, that I've ever had. And you start hearing that and you think, we've got something here. And uh, so we experiment with different flavors. Um, our vanilla is a Mexican vanilla bean that we use. It's 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 not cheap. It's two hundred fifty dollars for a gallon of this, and but that's what we choose to use, um, and it just gives it the flavor, the best vanilla ice cream that I've ever tasted. You know, and that's with 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 all that we've done. We've we've taken tarragon, uh, which is an herb that the the French use, and there's some of the Bernays sauces. It's kind of a sweet, savory uh, smell and taste to it, and we pureed that into our uh, vanilla cream. And we have a tarragon vanilla, and it's just a very unique, very delicious taste that we actually use less sugar in because the tarragon itself adds a little sweetness to it. So we've been able to just experiment with some of the flavors uh, and uh, just because of our ignorance of not knowing how to make ice cream, you know, professionally, we just we stuck to what was simple and what tastes great. And uh, and that's that's what we've been able to do. And, and people people love it. You know, I think we've, we've gained a Key West has uh, more ice cream shops. than I think any any town that I know of for a square mile. It, and so there's a lot of competition here. Um, every brand that you can think of is here. So we had to, you know, we set out to be better um, and different. 
and to compete and you know grab some of that that share of the market and besides uh ice cream do you serve anything else on the menu like any other food items or coffee or drinks or anything uh certainly the, the cold drinks cookies our toppings are are pretty unique um we have a pearl sugar waffles that we serve uh, that make our waffle sundays and we and we take our butane torch uh, and we toast these waffles up for the Sundays. We have also, instead of turning the uh, waffle uh, for the cone, we cut it into eight pieces, and that's our waffle chips. So we serve ice cream nachos. I saw that. That's really neat. You know, and, and it's something that we come up because you know people come up they they want a cone and they want to put M and M's and and uh, Oreos and all this stuff on top of the cone. Well, it just doesn't fit it doesn't work it doesn't work yeah <laughs> so and so then that you know they say well let's just turn the cone upside down into a cup i'm like okay um so i thought well why don't we just cut these chips waffles up, yeah. instead of making a cone we'll make it into these chips and it's just been really fun it's been great and people love that so that's, that's unique yeah that's really uh, neat we serve cookies uh we don't you know we've tried making our cookies ourselves and we've had some good recipes but we've we've decided to um buy our cookies from a local uh, cookie baker. She's uh, her husband's in the Navy and she has a cookie baking business and, and it's a great story and, and uh, her cookies are awesome. So another franchisees, we're going to start to encourage them to get involved with the community and, and have partners like that. And, and for their, you know, cookies or you know, brownies or something like that, that helps draw, you know, community interest and, you know, and help and helps other small businesses. That's great. And I, uh, with, with such a cool brand and a name, I imagine like merchandise sales are, uh, a good a good part of what you guys do that's right and that's something that i don't think that there's any ice cream stores that sell the merchandise as much as we do you know with the name wicked lick and with the slogan if you don't lick it someone else will uh we've got a done a great job at uh, uh putting together some nice designs for our t-shirts uh stickers signs hats um, you know, we, we do a really good business in, in our, our merchandise. It's, it's almost 20% and sometimes more depending on the crowd that's here. Um, but that really helps. It's a really, it's a really great add to our revenue. Oh, I'm sure. So how long has, has Wicked Lick been in business? This is our uh, fourth year. Um, you know, our first year, you know, nobody ex really expects to make money your first year in business with all the investments you have to make. Um, our second year, COVID. So we weren't making any money anyway. <laughs> so it was no big deal. Uh, we were used to that. Um, and then a third year we're coming out of COVID, uh, you know, people were pent up, people wanted to get out and uh, yeah. they, they came to Key West. It was a record number of domestic travelers to Florida, to Miami, to Key West. And we really benefited from that. Um, so it wasn't the, the complete volume of people that we were used to, but it was really nice just seeing all domestic travelers uh and key west prior to covid probably about 60 70 percent of the travelers are, are um international you know Can canadian european uh south of the border wow. um so it's it was you know everybody was coming here is was lived in the u.s and uh first time to key west so it was great to see so many people and and create that that base of our visitors and uh you know it's to have so many people go back to home wherever they lived and then other visitors come to Key West and they say, well, my hairdresser told me about this, this ice cream shop. And I said, oh yeah, where are you from? Oh, Delaware. I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, it's, it just sounds, it's, it's really, it's really great uh, to have so many people. 
Yeah, you you know you've created something unique, and 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 to your point earlier, the uh, I'm sure the the merchandise sales, you know, people probably see those shirts all over the country. So when uh, when I, whenever I have founders on, I always ask them, "Did you always intend to franchise the business?" We weren't sure. We started the business, and we just weren't sure wasn't sure what was going to happen. We just knew that there was a lot of competition, and uh, we, it was a really cool name and a cool slogan. So that helps. Uh, our ice cream, everybody says it's it's the best tasting ice cream. So that that also helps. And so when we started to do better, we thought, you know, maybe we can take this to the, another level. Maybe I should open up another Wicked Lick in Key West because there's there's two Kilwins. There's there's two uh, Haagen-Dazs. Uh, there's two, um, there's three Mathesons. I mean, there's, you know, maybe they got something, they're doing something, gaining market share that way. And uh, I, we just thought, you know, I just don't want to add and saturate the market even more like that. I'll take over another ice cream shop and, but just really wasn't sure about expanding ourselves. And then I thought, well, franchising is a, is a good way to expand without taking so much of that, of your capital to do it. Um, so we started researching that and, uh, we did trademark our name and our slogan and our logo, you know, with, with such the success that we've had in our revenue and our, and our, the, the people telling us and how good it is and how cool the store is and, you know, how fun it is and you know, buying the merchandise. It just seemed to, to click. And people would ask us when they come in the store, Hey, is this a franchise? And, uh, you know, this would be really great in here in Atlanta. This would be great here in, you know, Pittsburgh or Los Angeles. And, uh, and that's kind of the reason why we decided to franchise and make that push is, you know, people that, that said that this could, could happen. And even some consultants, you know, as I talked to them, they're like, um, Hey, this, this would be great. We can do, do really well for you to, to grow this business. And, uh, so we decided to do it. Yeah. So just, uh, decided in the last year or so and have gotten everything together kind of, you know, with legal and, you know, all, all the, the things required. So now you're ready to, you know, start selling locations, right? No locations yet, right? No, nothing, nothing awarded yet. Nothing, nothing awarded yet. Uh, had a few conversations, you know, we just launched a few weeks ago. Um, just kind of, you know, w- waiting for that buyer to come in. And uh, we've, we've had about a dozen leads so far, um, kind of working on some kinks with our social media and our, our public relations on, on where, what message to send and where to send it send it uh, to get those qualified leads. You know, we want to start branching out into South, South Florida market, you know, Miami, Fort Lauderdale, West Palm Beach. There's a lot of areas there that I'm very familiar with. Um, you know, Atlantic Avenue and Delray Beach is a really great spot. Um, uh, any you know, Miami Beach would be great. Um, I, I just want to make sure that I'm in an area that it's not already saturated with, you know, the Ben Jerry's, Kilwins and all the other name brands. And I just would rather be in a, a a spot that uh, captures more of that market. Uh, downtown Brickell would be a great spot. Azolas and Fort Lauderdale, um, Panama City. Uh, that's where I'm going to be on a call with here after we get off this podcast here with someone who's interested in Panama City. Uh, four and a half million visitors a year. That's the kind of places that we're looking for. I, I think that's a smart approach to you know grow regionally. One to kind of you know the, the name would really become popular in South Florida and well-known. And, and then two, from a operation standpoint, you can really support those, you know, those, those first few franchisees as you continue to, to grow as a system. So uh, that'll be, I think that's a, that's a good approach. So that's exciting. I've, I've, uh, I've had a lot of emerging brands on, but uh, yeah, to have, to have someone just couple, couple weeks into this, this is, uh, it's exciting. Uh, it's really exciting. And nervous. 
Yeah, you know, no, if you've no. seen if you've seen it, tell me how. When am I going to get my first buyer? I'm really kind of anxious, you know. Well, hopefully, I can help. Hopefully, the show can find you one. Um, you've touched a little bit on on you know kind of having a lot of visitors and things like that. But is there anything else from a location standpoint that you know you think you'll look for going forward? Uh, we want a, a place where there's a lot of pedestrians. We like. A lot of a lot of travelers in the area. Um, in fact, I think it's going to do even better. Larger metropolitan areas that also have visitors because in Key West, there's only twenty five thousand locals that live here. So we we would not uh, we would not be in business at all if if uh, there weren't the visitors that were here. Sure, and I'm sure that the shoulder seasons for you. Not that there's many in in Key West, but it probably slows down a little bit or it a little a little bit but key west is is almost full all year round i do feel like two things on that 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 I, you know i know i as i mentioned i got three three kids and you know when we whenever we're on vacation you're, you're just a lot more willing to you know hey let's get ice cream every night you know let's and and you're less concerned also about um you know, spending money, quite honestly, you know, like, it's like, oh, this is like, you know, it's, it's a treat. So I, I do think uh, tourist communities would be good. But, you know, with that said, you know, there's, there's not many times after, you know, my 11 year old soccer game that her and her teammates aren't lobbying after the game to let's go for ice cream as a team, you know, so, and I could imagine a shop like we could lick being a really cool destination for that, you know, the kids would, kids would really enjoy it. So, yeah, I think that's a good strategy. What are you looking for in a future owner? Have you have you kind of thought about uh, that? You know, has managed obviously before um, in in retail or restaurants, but somebody who's who's uh, kind of motivated by results. You know, somebody who's ambitious that, that wants to to be their own boss, but yet uh, be okay with getting direction from somebody else. I don't necessarily want somebody I was told like myself. Yeah. You're, you're too entrepreneurial. You know, to get, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. I, I want to be able to help somebody grow, grow a business, but I don't want somebody to, to, to try to take over and do everything their own way. Um, so I would not probably make a very good franchisee. Um, I've been told. And uh, I think I, you're, and you're not alone there. I think most franchisors probably wouldn't. And it's, it's funny. Cause I, I tell candidates that like, you know, when, when you invest in a franchisee, in a franchise, what you're paying for is that system. And if you're not going to follow the system or you're going to question everything or want to do things your own way, then then a franchise probably isn't the, the way to go for you. But for, you know, probably for three quarters of, you know, future business owners, it's a great path to go. You know, you know and, we uh, would like somebody that that maybe a little bit more on the entrepreneurial side for our first one or two, because it is an opportunity for them to you know, like you said, take, you know, part in, in our growth. You know, I, I look forward to some of that input uh, growing this thing and, and having a, fran a new franchisee um, see the opportunity to, you know, ha have his voice heard um, because I want the, them to be successful. Uh, you know, I won't be a success if, unless they are success. And I, I fully understand that. Yeah. Yeah. Before we hit record, we, we chatted a little bit about that. And I think you're right. You know, when, when I work with candidates, there are some that I say, hey, you know, given your your background and your skill set and, and, you know, quite honestly, your, your personality, I think you would be a good fit for an emerging concept. And then others, I say, hey, you know, I think you'd probably be a better fit for a, um, you know, a more established concept. But, you, you know, to your point, you know, the, the first few are, are certainly going to have a lot of, 
you know, the ability to offer a lot of feedback and, and help. And, and you, you know, you're right. There's, there's might be things regionally that you haven't thought of maybe, or, you know, maybe someone comes and wants to open one in Cape Cod and, you know, there's regional challenges or whatever it is, or maybe that would be a seasonal store. It wouldn't be open all year. And there's, you know, there's things you haven't, uh, thought of or even, you know, challenges with the location or whatever it is that you're going to have to, you know, tweak and, and work out on the fly. But yeah, so I do think um, finding finding the right ones early on is is super important to you and and to the, to the you know, the long-term success of the system. And th- that's kind of the base that uh, the whole system will be built on. So that's, um, will be really important. What, what type of hours is a, you know, your location open and, you know, kind of what's the, what's the day in the life of an owner? Uh, well, it takes about an hour to open, to open the store, to prep everything and get everything ready. Um, so, uh, staff gets in at 10, uh, we open the store at 11. Um, maybe not area, all areas will be, uh, ready to buy ice cream by 11 o'clock, but we found in Key West, there's, uh, people are out walking the streets <laughs> and it's surprising how many people and it's, are and it's waiting at your door to open at 11 o'clock in the morning. And, uh, in fact, sometimes they're waiting because they're getting ready to get, go home on a plane and they wanted to stop and buy a couple t-shirts. So they're waiting for us to open. Yeah, that's <laughs> um, but we're open from 11, uh, in the morning to 11 at night, uh, five, five days a week. And then on the weekends, we stay open until midnight. And, uh, some, wow. you know, sometimes those are our, our best hours. So it's a late night munchies, you know, with all the, the, yeah. the, the, of the <laughs> right. After the, the bars, the reputation, <laughs> you know? A lot of people out to having fun yeah. <laughs> and they come by we could probably sell ice cream till three in the morning. I know that the store that was there before us, the soft serve, they, they would be open really, really late and they did really well, really late. And uh, I just don't, I don't want to be up that early and, uh, and uh, midnight's good for me. It takes about a half hour to get everything wrapped up and closed up and cleaned up. So people are usually out of there by 1230, the staff and everything. Yeah. How, how many employees do you typically have? Uh, I keep on uh, about six to eight employees. Mm-hmm. Um, when it's busy, there's two people per shift. Uh, the one sh- first shift is from uh, 10 to 5 and then 5 to close is the second shift. Um, sometimes the day shift, I, I can operate the store with uh, a, a pretty decent revenue with just one person opening as long as they get in there and make all of the creams uh, make all of the waffle chips and get everything prepared and ready. And they can spend their time up front serving customers. Uh, one person can manage a store with a pretty decent volume. Um, uh, it takes, you know, when you get around $800 in a shift of revenue, uh, it takes about two people because, I, you know, one person can still serve the customers. But, uh, you know, with cu- customer service is really super important for us. Uh, then I'll, I'll, I'll have another person in when the revenue starts getting around that number. Um, and certainly the two people in the, in the evening, it, it, it even gets to a point where, you know, we start approaching $3,000, uh, a day in revenue. It takes, you know, a third person on a, on a night shift, uh, to, to maintain good customer service. Um, you know, I don't mind a line out the door for, you know, not too long of a line, you know, but I do like a line, uh, you know, because if people walk by and go, what is that? What's going on over there? So that does attract a lot of attention and. Sure. Yeah. And and to our point earlier, I'm sure people don't mind kind of, you know, if they're, if they're waiting in line or waiting for their ice cream, because, because there's something to watch that's going on, you know, the, the process of making it and that sort of thing. That's kind of cool. A $3,000 day. That's, that's a, that's a great day. I mean, um, you know, back of the napkin, I know you're, 
right? It's you're coming over a you know a million in revenue at the, at that range. What's a typical investment to become an owner to to open a new location? It's a it's a forty thousand dollar franchise fee. I uh, want 6% royalty, a 2% brand fund. Um, and it's about 211,000, I, I believe, at the minimum. Uh, I think 348 is the maximum investments. Yeah, and that's standard. I mean, you know, uh, I work with candidates and they say, hey, you know, how come there's a 100 or $150,000 spread in the total investment? And I say, well, anything that requires a build out, you know, there's, it's the wild card, right? To your point, you could get in a space that's already three quarters of the way there and and the landlord's excited to have you and, and you know, provide some some tenant improvement and then, you know, you're coming in on the lower end of that or, you know, but but yeah, no, I, I realize franchisors have to kind of provide that 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 range. But yeah, with your experience, I imagine um and your background that you'll be a you know, a valuable asset to, you know, to help in uh, folks kind of, you know, identify their, their first, their first location and, and get that ready to go. What would uh, initial training look like for a uh, franchisee? Would they come down and spend some time in your location? Oh yeah. That that's uh, kind of part of the allure of, of, you know, getting involved with us is that we're in Key West. So we're going to, we're going to, we're going to make everything a lot more fun. It, it'll be a week here. Uh, we've got some, a conference room at the local theater, uh, that uh, I've arranged to do some, you know, training uh, and of course on site, um, working in the kitchen and we're serving customers that are right on Duval Street. Um, it's uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. You know, I hired uh, my son, and he's going to be our uh, training manager and operations manager. Um, he's 26 years old. He's got a super sharp head on his shoulders, um, and he's we, he recently uh, came down last month to learn the business and learn everything inside and out. And he's been a part of our uh, new training uh, videos that we're doing, um, going through all the opening procedures, uh, how to make the ice cream, all the different recipes, making the waffle chips, you know, a lot of, a lot about customer service and, you know, how to treat people and how to approach people. And yeah, yeah. I was going to say, especially uh, a place like yours where the experience is so such a part of it. Um, you know, that, yeah, I think you're right. It's, it's almost a, a performance, you know, as far as making the ice cream and this, the, the smoke and that sort of thing. And, and that's really, I'm sure that's really cool for, for you and your wife to have your, your son involved in the business with you. And, and, yeah, and her son is involved too. He's, uh, graduating this year, high school this year, and he's worked with us for a couple of years, uh, working in the store and, and, uh, but it is, it's a family affair. Yeah, that's very cool. Well, John, this has been great. Uh, I would be happy to get any listeners in touch with you. But if someone wanted to learn more, uh, is your website the best place to start? That is. It's uh, wickedlick.com. And the franchise landing page is on there and, and all the information you need to, to take a next step. Awesome. Well, I can't wait to come down to Key West and try it. My, if my kids hear this podcast, they're going to want to check it out. So absolutely. thanks again for uh, joining us today. I've, I've really enjoyed learning more about Wicked Lick. And uh, I'm excited to watch uh, what the future holds for you guys and, and your growth. So good luck. And good luck and congratulations. All right. Thank you so much. Appreciate you. Thanks, John. Thanks for listening to another episode of Franchise Hounds. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you have a topic you'd like us to cover in a future episode or would like to work with me directly to explore franchise ownership opportunities, please reach out through the form on our website at franchisehounds.com.